do your job. Dad like it's your job. Do your job! With Chris Zito. Do your job. He's a dad, a radio host, a father, a speaker, dad, an actor, a dad, a comedian, a dad, a husband, a dad, and, well, a dad. Greetings, faithful listener. It is I, your illustrious host, Chris Zito. Welcome to Dad Like It's Your Job. Get this guy on this week. He is a fathering coach, and he's got a whole course of stuff that he does. But he also has a podcast called The Business of Dad. And I like that because, of course, subtitle of this pod is provide for your family and still be a part of your family. You know, so you got to have a job, but you got to be a dad, too. And we talk a little bit about that life-work balance, how I flip that around from work-life balance. But I also was attracted to this guy when I saw him, when I found him, that he talks a lot about being a single dad. He is a single dad. And we get the story of how he became a single dad. Boy, it is really something. It is, yeah, really something. How he became a single dad and how he has coped with that. He's got all daughters, five of them. That's right. Count them. Five daughters, single dad. Yeah, he's got his hands full for sure. Rob Rohde is his name. Now, I want to spell it for you because that's his website, robrohde.com, R-O-H-D-E, robrohde.com. Pretty amazing guy, incredible story, very resilient, and May I even say inspiring? May I say inspiring? I can say it. You can decide for yourself. Here's my conversation with Rob Rohde. Rob, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. I uh, I want to start like I always do with first, let's establish your dad credentials. Tell us about your kids. How many you got? What do you got? What's the deal? Absolutely. One of my favorite subjects, talking <laughs> about my kids. <laughs> so I have five daughters. I am a single father. Wow. So, yeah, I my two oldest daughters are in their 20s now. They are 28 years old, so they yeah. are no longer in the house. But right. as you know, the parenting hasn't stopped at that no, point. Definitely not. I got a couple older than that, and I'm still parenting from time to time. So, yeah, their names are Cheyenne and Jada. They're okay. twins. And I actually adopted them when they were um there were seven when it went final, but I met their mom when they were two. When they were four, we got married, mm-hmm. and their father was never really in the picture. And so early on, I knew that I wanted to adopt them and make it official. And so we started that process. And yeah. so, yeah, they're they're mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then you have three more. Three more. Yeah. I have Ember, who is 20. Samara, who is 17, and Annalise, who is 14. And those three are still living in the house. I see. And yeah, it's a busy house. It's a fun house, though. Now, I have twice I have been a single dad for a while because I was a divorced dad, but I was the first time I joke in my stand-up act that I set a record in Massachusetts, two divorces. I got custody of the kids both times. So something's up well we'll leave it at that but the first time i was on the air in michigan and their mom was living states away and they didn't see her very often and then this last time with v uh her mom her birth mom was not really in the picture for most of that time so i have some experience with that i i'm amazed that you you talk about this let me let me first of all for some people listening 
because I know that this is an issue for some people. When you say you're a single dad, is there are you co-parenting? Are you a divorced dad? Are you are you a widower? What's your situation? Yeah, so my situation has kind of evolved over the years. So there yeah. have been several different iterations, kind of like you discussed <laughs> yeah. your journey as well. So right. um, yeah, so I adopted two of my daughters. The other three, I guess you could say I helped create. Okay. <laughs> and then um but <laughs> you sired so, them is that what you're telling us rob <laughs> yeah i mean i played a role in it okay so. <laughs> all right but the story goes like this um when the when my uh, youngest daughter was a baby their mom and i split apart and ended up getting divorced and so we were co-parenting for a portion of this yeah. journey Right. Um, several years, actually, and started off a little bumpy, but then we really were able to kind of find our groove during the kind of middle period of that co-parenting, and that went well. And then several years after that, there were some things that started to occur. We kind of, our family kind of went down this little bit of a spiral, you could say, where we were kind of, kind of punched in the mouth. And so there was a phone call that came from the school system that essentially said that there were some signs of potential abuse that had taken place with some of our kids. And so kind of long story short, for the sake of this conversation, there was about a four year period where we were dealing with um, kind of custody battles and really trying to uncover what the truth actually was and kind of this period of, of dealing with all of that. And in the middle of that time, there was actually an arrest that took place with their mom. And shortly after she released Bill, she committed suicide. Wow. And so oh from that gosh. point on. And how old were the, how old was your daughter when that happened, when she lost her mom that way? So my youngest daughter at that point was about eight years old. I see. So about almost six years ago now. Yeah. Um, and then the, my oldest two are no longer in the house at that point because they've been adults for a while now. But the three that were in the house were between the ages of eight and 14. That's some real trauma, Rob. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty open with sharing my story or I, I try to be. Sure. I'm not going to pretend that it's easy to talk about, but mm -hmm. it is my story and it's my journey. And it's it's a big piece of what's led me to where I am today. And that's um, not unusual. So many of the men I meet on this podcast, when I, I meet authors and coaches and guys who are so devoted to fatherhood that they want to share this message with other dads, it, it often comes from some sort of trauma, some kind of turning point, some sort of experience that is profound enough to say, I want to make this my life's work now. Exactly. I know it's a little bit of a cliche, but this is, I mean, that is what happened to me. Mm -hmm. um, Sounds like it. I guess there's a little little more to the story. If we have time, I can go into it. Yeah. Um, but so shortly after the, there was kind of that three, four year period that I talked about leading up to their mom's death. And then after that death, where kind of as a family, that period that we were in was just simply survival mode, you know, mm -hmm. just trying to get through the day. There was counseling and victims advocate meetings and court cases and all of that type of stuff. Um, but then I kind of reached a breaking point myself, you could say, uh, a couple of years after that, where I just looked back and I realized 
you know, I've been spending all of this time trying to focus on being that rock for my family and yes. being that kind of stable point, like so many of us men try to do. Yeah. And I wasn't doing anything for myself. Um, and long story short, um, after about my background is in healthcare. And so prior to, to starting this business, my background was in healthcare and I ended up quitting a job that I'd been at for about 18 years at that point. Right. And I took six months off, did not work at all during that period of time. Wow. The girls and I traveled a lot. We spent over a month in Costa Rica and did a variety of other things, but really the goal was to just kind of find our way back. I mean, feel. you're so fortunate that you were in a position to be able to do that. As so many men that have, would have found themselves in that kind of situation after a sudden loss like that, you, you wouldn't have that option. So you were very fortunate in that way. Absolutely. And I, I recognize that for sure. And I'm certainly not implying that this is what people should do. Is, um, <laughs> so but I was you, in a position to do it. If, so. you become a, <laughs> uh, if, you, if you suddenly become a single father, best thing to do, pack everybody up, go to Costa Rica. All right. Well, Rob Rohde, <laughs> thanks for joining us. No, I don't think that's the message. <laughs> no, but, you know, something more happened during that trip and during that time off. It wasn't just that kind of that healing took place, but that was when I decided that I wanted something different out of my life. You know, I kind of wanted to create a second act that would be more focused on helping other men who are in these situations, not implying that there's a long list of people who have the exact same story as mine, but we all have a story and every yep. one of those involves significant pain and significant yes. loss hundred percent on a certain level. And you know, it's interesting to speak to specifically if we could, and I wanted to have this conversation with you because what I found being a single father is much more unusual than being a single mom in America today. So when I became a single dad and he was, you know, my uh, V was with me the whole time. One of the first things I had to do because I do morning radio, right? So I needed a, I needed a nanny that would work part-time ridiculous hours. And I was going through this interview process. I was very fortunate to have a network of men that I was very close to that knew this kid and would come over to my house at like 4 a.m. or earlier to just be there and wait for this kid to get up, get her ready for school, get her off to school. And that's all I needed because then I'd be home by the time they got they got home from school. So when I was searching for a nanny, I spoke to one woman in particular who finally said to me, she goes, I have to be honest with you, because you're a single dad there are going to be nannies that you reach out to that are going to be very leery of working for you. And uh, I did find one eventually. I had a live-in nanny for a while for a summer. And what I found, what I had a lot of buddies that were like, hey, how's the nanny? Did you get a hot nanny? And I was like, no, I got somebody that I knew would be really good for my kid. And I was like, right. I'm, not, I'm not sure why we're having this, why we're joking about this. And I'm a comedian by trade. And even I didn't want to make those jokes because it was so <laughs> vitally important to me. But it was, it's just a weird, it's just a weird dynamic when you're a single dad. It's different. Absolutely. That's a, that sounds like a tough situation for you. I've, I fortunately didn't have to deal with those aspects of it, but kind of the way that surfaced for me was trying to set up these kind of play dates when the kids were younger or sleepovers or things along right. those lines yep. with these groups of girls, you know, I found that I really had to take time to meet the families and 
you know, just kind of dive into a part of parenting that was not comfortable for me or quite honestly that I didn't enjoy at all. Yeah. But I had to do that in order to kind of set the stage for my kids to be able to have some some sort of normalcy. Right, right. Well, that makes sense. It's understandable. I want to talk a little bit about your podcast, um, Business of Being a Dad. Because, you know, uh, when I uh, developed this pod and the, my signature talk when I speak, it's called Dad Like It's Your Job. And I, because I talk to guys about, I like to, because the subtitle is provide for your family and still be a part of your family, because it's sort of somehow in our DNA as dads to be the provider. And so I like to explore this idea of what that means. What does it mean to provide for my family and how do I do that? You know, how can I, how can I excel in my career and at work and still be a good father and literally spend time with them. There's no substitute for the actual time that you spend with them. So I was taken in by the just the title of your pod. Do you talk about that a lot, the business of being a dad? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the backdrop of everything that I talk about. And, and really, I focus on a few key aspects. One is kind of the core values behind my business, which is you know, I believe firmly in owning your life, committing to growth and making an impact and that you take those three things and that's how you create the legacy that really you're looking for. And I think, you know, my podcast is designed for all fathers, but, right. you know, I have a special place in my heart for single dads because that's been my journey sure. and that's what I'm familiar with. But I think all of us want to create a legacy. All of us want to leave an impact. But I think that our tendency is to go in the more of the business side of things, the career aspect of that, right. leaving a legacy in our career, leaving a legacy financially, as opposed to creating a legacy at home. Right. Yeah. And so where I came up with the name, the business of being dad, is that part of my methodology for coaching course that I'm in the process of creating all of that is based on you know, the method methodology side of that is based on taking common business principles that we use in everyday life that so many of us are familiar with and really crush it in our workplace. But what if we took those ideas and actually tried to implement them into our family life? Well, give me a for instance. Sure. I mean, all of us in our in our jobs, most of us, especially if you work for a big corporation, yeah, you have a vision. There are core values. You have goals, right? You have ways of, you know, how do you lead effectively? You lead effectively by connecting or relating. And, you know, you lead by example, you model behaviors you want to see. I mean, those are just a few of the very, very basic things. Right, right. But who has a vision plan for their family? Or who has really taken the time to establish core values for their family? Mm hmm. And yeah. yet those can really become your guiding principles that can be, those can be game changers. Of course. And yeah. And so those are some examples of, yeah. of how I use that methodology through coaching. Um, you know, but there's more to it than that, right? There is also that side of it of, you know, there's that personal side. It's not all just the practical side. There is also taking the time to meet people with where they are at. And I try to do that on my podcast as well. I try to be openly honest with issues that I'm struggling with, openly vulnerable with shame that I've experienced, guilt that I've gone through, fears that I have. And I think that there is an element of 
courage in being willing to be vulnerable, yet society might view that as a weakness. Well, clearly that's not the case. I agree with you. And I think it's one of the key ways that we help each other. If if when I'm trying to help a young dad understand some of this stuff, it's very important to me that I show him my own wounds because it opens him up to share with me what what he's going through. That's how you create sort of a safe space in these conversations. And, you know, I wish I had more of an opportunity to have those conversations one-on-one because I I don't do the coaching. I do, you know, listen, I've got the radio gig. I've got stand-up. I do some speaking. I have this podcast. And when I do speak, it's usually to a large group. I don't get to spend too much time one-on-one with men. But uh, the message that you you have is, is an intriguing one to me. And I wanted to shift gears a little bit because since we're talking about single dads, about this practical sense. Because one of the things I found when I became a single dad was how screwed up my schedule was. Now, you, you noticed it already. My schedule's a little weird because I start work so early in the morning. But what I found was, you know, like I had this, I found this great nanny that, was, that, that I had for a long time. And she would do a little light housekeeping. She loved laundry. I would come home a couple of days a week. There'd be clean laundry folded on my bed. And God bless her, Miss Donna. We'll never forget her. And she's a saint. Um, but there were other times where like I would find myself at weird times on a Sunday or later in the evening, you know, still cleaning up, cleaning the kitchen, doing laundry, you know, and and I'd be like standing folding laundry nine thirty ten o'clock at night, and it's already past my bedtime. And I would think, okay, this is this is just what this is right now. This is where we are. This has to get done, and it's me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's been my life as well. And there's, I mean, there's no way around that. That's just life as a single parent, but absolutely as a single father. And I think that I don't mean to stereotype, but I think that it doesn't come as naturally for us as it might for. You might be right. You, you might know, be right. Others. I think, you know, everybody is different. But I mean, I happen to be a guy that I have sort of a laundry fetish. I I still do the laundry. I'm remarried now. And, you know, the, my wife is that kid's mom. I mean, that's it. That's her mom. Because she was, uh, you know, she was like eight or nine when Elizabeth and I got together. But um but I still do the laundry. When we got married, it was in the vows that I would do the laundry. That's how much I'm obsessed with laundry. So it's a little unusual. But <laughs> yeah, you know what? Laundry's not bad. I don't mind laundry. You can like, I mean, watch a ball game while you're doing laundry. This is what you I'm can, saying. You know? The machine does most of the work. Laundry and vacuuming. That's how you get the most points because, you know, vacuuming, very visible. I was just talking about this a couple episodes ago with, a, with my guest, how vacuuming is uh, a big way to get points with your wife. So, Yeah, yeah. And, and you're right. We are all different for sure. And I don't mean to stereotype, but that's been kind of my story. Like I don't, right. I've always stepped in and done that type, those types of things, even when I was married, but the organizing of the lives, the organizing of the schedules, that was not normal for me. That was not comfortable. That's what I call the cruise director stuff. And that, yes, I get it. I, I have trouble with that stuff too. Yeah organizing that stuff but now you still have three daughters at home what's that like are they pulling their weight are they you know are you a taskmaster like that you have like a chore wheel how do you work that i would not say i'm a taskmaster master but i would say this (laughs) they might um i do know this they have probably more responsibilities than the majority of their friends but I don't know that that necessarily means anything in this day and age. I mean, I think it may be good for them. I mean, mean, listen, I I tell my kids, you know, I have four, and I've told them all, I like to crank out good roommates. 
That's my goal. I don't like to. I don't want anybody to leave my house and be somebody's lousy roommate that doesn't know how to pick up after themselves or do the dishes or do their own laundry. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll say that my daughters, for the most part, do their own laundry. They've been doing that for a few years. Right. We have the. They help with the dishes and the cleaning of the house and things like that. But the one thing that I have my kids do that I think is somewhat unique for the last three years now, each of them takes a day of the week and they cook dinner for the family. Oh, that's and wonderful. So that is, yeah. And I think that those types of things, it's not only helpful and being part of the family, but it also is a life skill for them for sure. Of and course. So, yes. That's the other thing they need to know how to do. Prepare their own food. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, I mean, sometimes it might be frozen pizza or grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> and sometimes they might make something from scratch, you know, yeah. but I roll with it. You know, it's a night off for me for cooking. And of course, you know, I I appreciate the effort. So, yeah, there you go. Well, so uh, now if you've got three daughters, you said, what are they, 14, 17 and 20? Yes. Yeah. And they've got the two grown twins that are grown and flown. So. What, talk to us about the amount of eye rolling that's going on. Do you know how much there is? How much of it? Because much of it may be behind your back. I mean, I assume because I, I listen. I got a twenty-three-year-old and an almost eighteen-year-old daughter at home, and a, you know, a, there's there's plenty of eye rolling. You know, especially since I'm a comedian, somehow I can make a room. F- I can make three hundred strangers laugh, but those two blink at me if I try to be funny at home. So. Oh, for sure. There is a ton of eye rolling in our house, no question about it. And, you know, sometimes I can look at them. I'm, just a couple of days ago, my 17-year-old was walking out to her car and I made some sort of comment. I don't even remember what it was, but I couldn't even see her. But I said something about, don't roll your eyes at me. Yeah. She's like, how did you see that, Dad? I'm like, I don't have to see it. I just know it's happening. Of course. Of course, you know. Yeah, that's the connection that you have. Especially when we start having conversations about clothes that they're wearing or dating or things along those lines. That's yeah. when the eye rolls get pretty. pretty yeah, that, that's hard. I'm, I have a guy that I was that was on the show last uh, season that I've just reached out to. I want to have him back on and I want to have a conversation basically just about why we want to talk to the kids in the car. Something about being in the car with the kid where something is going on. And uh, so we're going to unpack. We're gonna, I'm going to have a whole episode just unpacking that. Why it's so important. Why it works so well. Why it's such a great idea. I mean, it's just nothing like being in the car with the kid, just the two of you. And stuff happens. You know, it's fantastic. That's that's a great idea. You, you're you on to something there, for oh, sure. 100%. All right. Well, Rob Rohde, I want to spell this for people. It's robrohde.com, R-O-B-R-O-H-D-E. That's how you spell your last name, R-O-H-D-E, robrohde.com, and the podcast, Business of Being a Dad. And those pods are little bite-sized pods, which I really enjoyed. It's really easy to like blow through a few of them on a, on a commute or if you're out for a quick walk or folding laundry. For sure. Well, <laughs> I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about this. Good luck with all those uh, women. You see, you can, you're like Tevya. You go out and you're like, this is mine, and this is mine, and this is mine. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Never thought of it that way, but... Absolutely. All right, Rob, thanks again. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. So there you go, Rob Rohde. RobRohde.com. If you're a single dad, if you know a single dad, 
If you'd like to be a single dad, that's a whole different podcast. There's probably some divorce lawyer who is making a podcast. Uh, I don't support that idea. I don't think it's a good idea. I really appreciate him taking the time to be on with me. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. Please subscribe, download the episodes, leave a review, and tell other dads about this. Pass this along. If you're interested in in having me speak at your event, check me out at chriszitospeaks.com. That's chriszitospeaks.com. Everything you need to know about my talks, what I do, my background, it's all there. It's a very simple, clean website, very easy to use, chrisitospeaks.com. I say we go on with the rest of our day. Thanks for listening. Tell your pals.